Kaiju FM. Come find your niche. And welcome to The Prestige, a podcast for film lovers by film lovers. My name is Rob. I have spent most of my life loving movies and a large chunk of my life making movies. From low-budget British horror movies all the way up to big Hollywood blockbusters. And my co-pilot on this journey is Sam, who has also loved movies most of his life and has spent the large chunk of his life learning all about stories, words and how they work and teaching that to others. The idea being that I can bring the practical of how films make and Sam can bring the theory of how stories and ideas work. And together each week we pick a film, we talk about that film, some of the ideas, some of the themes, and some of the things we discover and take away from that movie. And we always end the show with our further reading, we call it, but the inspirations, movies that we feel are similar or linked in some manner to our movie of the week. As it stands, we are doing our fifth season in which we are taking a world tour, starting down in the bottomest tip of the southernest tip, the most southern tip of South America, and working our way all the way around to the southern tip of Africa. But before all that, we kick off with what else we've been watching. Uh, the other shows, movies, books, TV shows, anything like that that we've been enjoying since our last recording. So Sam, welcome. How are you? What have you been enjoying? I'm very well, thanks. So formal of you. Um, I'm trying, trying. <laughs> so I've watched a film this week and those of you who've listened for a while will know that I have a penchant for watching entirely forgettable films of a certain genre quite like mid-budget high tempo instantly forgettable action films the sort of thing that um jason statham was in is in a lot but it is nice. i think it's nice that i saw an, an action film this week and the production values seem to have caught up with moving the narrative. It, it feels like suddenly I'm watching a slick version of the film that I've always been watching. And that it didn't really matter that it was a bit chunky before because I wasn't really watching it as a, as a genuine piece of art. But I've watched a film this week that was both a sort of high-tempo action film and yet also really beautiful to look at and really brilliantly shot and edited. And it was the, I don't know if it's a Netflix production, but I saw it on Netflix. It's the film Kate, which stars Mary Elizabeth Winstead as an assassin um, and she gets, it sounds like a spoiler, but it's not, gets poisoned on a job. Um, and then has 24 hours before the poison kills her, effectively. It's, she's exposed to radiation that kills her. Um, she has 24 hours to find out who's ordered this hit on her. And, yeah, it was really, really enjoyable. It was, like I said, it was the usual sort of Jason Statham-type fast tempo um heart-hitting action film but at the same time it felt 
almost like something like Lost in Translation with that sort of beautiful look to it as well. Um, it may, I mean, I may be saying Lost in Translation because this is set in Tokyo, but it feels like the, the sort of neon aspects of it uh, belong to a completely different film. So I, I really enjoyed that this week. Great, I have seen the trailer for that, and uh, it does look exactly describe it, and it's on my list to get to at some point. True to my love of giant monster movies, this week I have sat down and I've watched two Godzilla films. Two of them. Uh, wildly different, despite their similarities. So I finally caught up on Godzilla vs. Kong, um, which I just never made it to the to see, but I've now caught up on, and I have watched... Uh, I'll go first. Uh, no, first. So, Godzilla vs. Kong, it's ace. It's just exactly what you want from a film called Godzilla vs. Kong. There's some brilliant knockdown fights. Um, I'm not going to spoil where it ends, but the film is weird and very heavily into a lot of like deep Godzilla lore. I thought the effects were amazing. I thought there's a real sense of character from Kong, which is one of the reasons why I like Kong. Um, and it is exactly what you want from a Hollywood kaiju film. The other film I've watched is one called Shin Godzilla, which is a Toho uh, Japanese production from, I think, uh, when did they make that? 2016. And this is very much not that. If anything, this is a workplace bureaucracy kaiju film. There is Godzilla in it, and it is the tale of Godzilla and uh, his attack on Tokyo. But much more is focused on the behind the scenes and the absolute collapse of any kind of bureaucracy in the face of Godzilla. And it's much closer to that traditional ideas of Godzilla being, much like zombies, a metaphor for something else. Mm. And here you have this old, staid Japanese government who just can't cope with this this Godzilla, this amazing, terrifying thing that threatens to destroy everything. And it's about how the behind the scenes, how the people come up with a solution to Godzilla. There's no, if you've watched the MonsterVerse, the modern ones in America, there's this idea that Godzilla's somehow our friend, he's our protector and all that. This this is not true of Shin Godzilla. Shin Godzilla doesn't care about us. He isn't here to help us or hurt us. We're just in the way for what he's doing. And there's a real, much scarier version of Godzilla in this movie. Um, and I thought it was just brilliant. I mean, I'm, I'm a sucker for these movies. It, if you go into it wanting that American-style, you know, punching things to the go-away movie, it is just not that. There's much more focus on people in rooms doing research, reading charts, and the intricacies of bureaucracy in Japan. But... I feel like I'm unselling it because it's also amazing and terrifying and some of the effects are outstanding. So, yeah, Godzilla vs. Kong and Shin Godzilla, two sides of a very different coin. Um, As Rob mentioned, we are into our fifth season now and we're taking some of a world tour and we're moving through South America to start with. This week's film is... The 2001 Uruguayan film, 25 Watts. (laughs) 
ese guacho. Yo pienso en la pasta de mañana. Lo que Vamos a Concha. Estoy enamorado de vos, ¿sabes? La, la, la porno en la vida. En la vida hecha realidad. ¿Verdad? No encuentro su tren. Vení acá, vení acá, Sí, 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 una, una mostra a tu vieja. Sí. sí, es una divina. Además te adora. ¿Sabes que me quiere enganchar con vos? ¿Te imaginas? ¿Te imaginas? Concha la lora. Yo son tú sei Luis E. Luis E. Luis E. Luis E. Luis E. 25 Watts is a comedy film um, and it's, it's about the lives of three teenagers in Montevideo in a period of 24 hours. Um, And it will be instantly familiar to you. It will remind you of many other films I'm sure we've got to talk about. Um, and it was generally thought of as the, the sort of rebirth of Uruguayan cinema in 2001. Um, Uruguayan cinema had sort of hit a bit of a low point and this was the revival. This was critically lauded and won various feature film nominations and went to film festivals and did particularly well. It was the, the rebirth, the revival of that Uruguay movement. And it follows the lives of these three youths and their various sexual escapades or not and their various working escapades or not. Um, and what they do over a 24-hour period, or what they don't do, in fact. So, Rob, how did you find it? Nah, this, like, this, as you say, this film is very evocative of a lot of other movies that we do like and we have talked about. I liked this film. I did like this film. I liked this film, I think, a lot for some sort of nostalgia. Hmm. I'm not going to bury the lead here, guys. This film is very evocative of movies like Clerks. It is shot in black and white. It is focused on the minutiae of basically dropout lives and people who are obsessed with pop culture. And it's that kind of focus on the real life world of people rather than, you know, as I've said, you know, just talking about Godzilla there. Like this is not a film where anyone gets in a fight or has any heroic ending. It's just a slice of life of people. And. I really like that. I mean, this these kind of movies in the American indie movement of uh, maybe, what, five, ten years before 
are part of the ones that inspired me into movies. And I could see the DNA of those in this movie. And I liked it. I thought it was, you know, funny in places. I thought it was silly. And it trod that line with these things of being... Like, I think with these kind of movies, there's a fine line to tread between dropping into, like, too much into comedy... Mm. where you're making pastiches and you're doing bits and it's much more of a, a Saturday Night Live style sketch show and it doesn't tread into that but it still keeps it slightly weird like the lives that people lead are heightened in their own ways and it, I thought it rode that line very well I mean all you need to do is look at American cinema in the after effects even like Kevin Smith where Clerks is amazing when you get down the line to things like James the Lobster Back or Clerks 2, it's become too pastiche, it's become too comedy, it's lost some of that heart and that grit to it. Mm. This kept that, I felt. How was it for you, Sam? It's strange that like, I'm looking back on my notes from this, as I was watching it, I enjoyed it and I, I got written down I really like this, I really like the editing um, and I remember enjoying it as I was watching it and now looking back I'm not sure I think this is this might have fallen into the category of films like I really enjoyed seeing once but I don't want to see again I'm I'm glad that I've seen it but I don't necessarily have any desire to revisit it in that mm. respect I can see how this was um, so central to the cinema of the time that like this this does feel like an important historical event and I'm glad that I've seen it because of that but I'm, I'm not sure about it like I said at, at the time I was enjoying it and yet on reflection I'm I'm not sure I, I can see that I can see what you're saying about it is it's one of the movies where I enjoyed watching it a lot mm. but would I be hard pushed to give it a real in-depth Plot synopsis? Mm. Probably. Yeah. Um, it is the kind of movie that you just sort of sink into. And I think uh, you said at the top there about it reinvigorating the uh, movie culture. I can see that. Because a lot of it feels so deeply specific to the time. Yeah. In the same way, a movie like Clerks really felt specific to that time and that place and the experience of that and there are these movies that come along that really kind of capture that feeling of of the zeitgeist generation and this feels like a movie where if i was their age living in this time in this place that it would capture that whole existence mm. but i could look at this movie and see you know all the people in uruguay who i know and the life that my friends lead and it becomes that real touchstone of seeing yourself on screen. Yes. Yeah. Um, in a way that I think that a lot of movies these days don't, and especially if you aren't American and or British. Like, we we are wildly overrepresented mm. in terms of movies for us, unless you want to be the bad guy, I think. But, you know, Sam and I have talked a little bit in the last few weeks about how we've had struggles trying to do the further reading from these movies because we just don't know these movies, all these cultures, and I can chase down the links of all the actors and directors, but I've never heard of any of the films mm. they've been in. And 
I can see why a movie like this, when people are raised on you know, this kind of Western culture, to see the snapshot of themselves, to see their lives in a movie, would be revolutionary. Yeah. This is going to get down a weird little thing that um, Sam and I might not share a little bit. But Sam, you went to um, an Oxbridge University, didn't you? You went to one of the big ones. I didn't. I went to a, I'd probably call him a former polytechnic in the middle of Wales. And I am on a mission in my life to find a movie set at a British university that is a drama that isn't set at Oxbridge. Mm. Yeah. Because we are selling to the American market, generally the movies, they want to see Oxbridge. They want to see Cambridge. They want to see that kind of life. And there are plenty of movies about the life of these, you know, Oxbridge universities. And it is a great life, but I can't think of a uni, a university movie that captures my university experience in the slightest. It just it isn't a story that we tell in this country of the vast majority of universities that aren't mm. are Oxbridge. And so I can see why for people in Uruguay this would be a movie that would really strike a chord because it would speak to themselves. Yeah. I think something that was really revolutionary was Fresh Meat because of that. That's the only mm. example I can think of. And it seemed to be that that really chimed with people because it was it was a non Oxbridge environment. But it's still a comedy, isn't it? I mean, this, this, this is where I get fresh meat. It's great, but it is a comedy. I suppose so. Yes. Yeah. Uh, whereas, like, I was looking for one that told a drama, and like, I know I'm looking for a, a deeply specific film here. You know, like I'm looking for a very specific sort of film. But I think that's what I'm getting to with this movie is that. You and I can appreciate it for its greatness, its funness, and watching, enjoying it. But it isn't going to be one where we're going to resonate deeply with us. Mm. I think I'm I'm going to talk myself into liking this film more going back because I've got all sorts of notes about things I liked about. It. It's like it's strange that this feels. I don't know if it's the black and white. What's the black and white? And also some of the. Um, street furniture and the clothes and everything is this feels like it was set 40 years ago and Mm. yet at the same time you've got really quite modern quirks of like film techniques so you've got like the point of view from Shelley's record going spinning round and round or you've got like the circling camera that isn't this no longer a fixed camera when the when the boys are talking at the certain mm. camera that goes around them and there was that that weird that was what was so possibly so revolutionary for this film is that it feels like this is um this sort of laid-back film about 70s Montevideo or 80s Montevideo or 90s Montevideo or whatever but at the same time, it's got these really modern film techniques. And you think, well, actually, there's, there's something really quite progressive here. I did enjoy that. It does feel, it does feel like the filmmakers were raised on movies. Mm. Yeah. It has that same kind of vibe of, like, they've seen a lot of movies and they can ape the style, like, the filmic language of how they make a movie, but also the content. Because I think, like... You say about talking yourself into liking the movie. I like this movie. I liked the three guys that I'm going with the movie 
with and I liked their adventures. I think it was I, I feel like anything I say damns this movie with Frank Payne's, but it feels quite pointless as a movie. I see what you mean. In yeah. that they are like the the, the the film has this lovely recurring or repeating motif of the start of the movie basically the same place they end the movie. Yeah. Um, and the end is very much that kind of off-handed moment. I think a lot. I was watching. I'm thinking a lot about um, when you and I watched the Station Agent, mm. uh, a Peter Dinklage film, many many years ago, our first season. And that film, I love it because it ends like quite abruptly. Um, they're just sitting on the on the dock chatting, and he's talking about he's fallen in love with, with a librarian, and someone says, "You know, does she wear the glasses?" And he's like, "No, no, no." And he goes, "Maybe she should." And it cuts. This in the movie, mm. and it had that real moment of like that you've seen this snapshot and they've gone through the trials of this movie that day, you know, and there are trials, there are, you know, there are people getting in fights, bouncers and people having sex and meeting all these sort of people. And there are trials to go through, but then it just, it ends up with this new status quo and it isn't the same status quo as like a big action movie, but they've gone through these things and they're still friends and they're just carrying on with their lives. And this movie becomes not, not a coming of age movie because they don't come of age and it's not a movie where they change and grow because there isn't a lot of development in them they just go through these experiences and you're just part of that journey for them mm, yeah it feels like certainly well at the end with these repeated references the uruguayan guy but all the way through you've got these these ideas about futility you've got the hamster on the wheel you've got the frustrated sex lives of all of them like one with the porn and one with his Italian tutor and so you've got this futility all the way through and you think well this is what being a 17 year old or being 18 year old or being 19 year old is like you would feel that life is futile or things are banal and annoying and nothing ever happens and it captures that feeling of being that age perfectly. I imagine now, um, this maybe me being entirely off piece, but Uruguay is probably one of those places where it does have a large sort of immobile workforce who aren't going places. Mm. You know, in the same way that Clerks captured that feeling of Gen X, of just like, I've got a job in a, in a thing, I'll just kind of work here a little bit. And that sense of lostness. Yeah. That, that, not that they're lacking direct, but yeah, lacking the whole point of Clerks is about he's lacking direction and trying to work out what to do with his life. Mm. And I feel like the the guys in Twenty Five Watts, not that trying to do with their life, they, they've gone beyond that and they've kind of realised that there isn't anything to do with their lives. Yeah, and this is it, and they're just enjoying the day to day. It's a really interesting idea about Uruguay because, like, it's stuck between Brazil and Argentina, so you've got and they're both huge and they're huge players in terms of employment and culture and sports and whatever and then you've got little little Uruguay stuck in the middle maybe that's maybe that's what it feels like to be a Uruguayan maybe there is nowhere to go like in in Argentina you've got a bunch of coasts and same for Brazil and huge cities and yet Uruguay there there's really Maybe there's there's not a sense that there's there's somewhere to go, as in the other countries. Rather. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's. I mean, 
it, we sound I mean, like the, the, the worst kind of uh, colonial tourists a little bit. Oh, I want the like, but I think that's what we're going to do this. Mm. Don't think about how these movies speak to the nations which they come. And, you know, this is our snapshot into, I keep on saying Uganda. I mean, Uruguay. Uruguay and their life. Sam, do you have some recommendations for us? Well, I, I know Rob's mentioned it already, and I know it's kind of straightforward to, to mention close, but it is such a huge touchstone for American culture. And also, it's it's really interesting that effectively the same film appears to have made seven years apart. So I would go for Clerks as a companion piece to this. Um, and my second one, this kind of, it's, it's to do with the, the sort of the focus on sexuality, particularly the, the only sexuality in the film that, I mean, the, the symbols of successful sexuality are all women and the men are all frustrated. But this, this reminded me of the, and successful female sexuality of She's What I Have It, which we saw a couple of seasons ago. It's an early Spike Lee film. And it feels like this is this film is Clerks Cross with She's Gonna Have It. So th- those are my two recommendations this week. Great. I've got two to recommend. One, I think we covered way back in season one, I think that then, uh, which is the... 2010 movie, The Myth of the American Sleepover, which I recall Sam wasn't overly keen on, and I certainly was. Um, but essentially tells the a, a, a one weekend in Detroit of some teenagers falling in love and out of love. And it has that same kind of feeling of aimlessness and that same kind of feeling of this is a snapshot of their lives. It's a very differently kind of Edge movie. It didn't have any of the kind of sexual content. Didn't have any of the jokiness of it. But it had that same kind of feeling of we're just seeing a little bit of their evening rather than the whole thing. The second one I want to recommend. I'm sure I've recommended it before, but I don't know if I have. And that's from same year, year 2000. This one from way up north in Canada, um, and that's the movie Way Downtown. This is not a movie that's well known outside of. Canada. I can't remember where I saw it. I think I saw it on some late night Channel 4 movie once. Um, but it's set with four, three young professionals who work and live in this like complex downtown Calgary. And it's about their office game, basically, to see how long they can stay inside. All the buildings are connected by walkways. You can go from your offices to the shops to your home without leaving. And it's once again mostly about this disenfranchisement of the youth and these people who have jobs. They have jobs in this movie, but they are bored and they don't care about them. And it's just the idle chit-chat and the insanity of this life they've got. And it has that same kind of aesthetic and the same kind of energy as uh, 25 watts yep so that's the myth and way downtown uh, which i'm sure our very few canadian listeners will love the mention of that because every time not canadian they love it and uh, no one else has ever heard of it so next up on our world tour we're moving um, north 
and a bit east through South America, and it's the Brazilian film City of God next time. Absolute classic. I'm saying nothing. We shall see. We shall see. <laughs> um, till then, guys, you can find me online at Kaiju FM. You can talk to me on email, prestigefilmpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find the show and both of us on Twitter at Prestige Podcast. We'll see you then.